Hello and welcome to Do The Franchise. I'm Jake. And I'm James. And we are back. We are doing the third of the Harry Potter franchise, the third movie in the franchise, Harry Potter and the Chamber... No, I'm wrong. I'm going mad already. That was last week, James. <laughs> I'm a week out of date, James. <laughs> we... It is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes. Not to be confused with the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely two different films. Definitely two different films. Now, I was going to start with this, James, by saying um, a different film, different director, totally different vibe. Very different vibe. Uh, it was directed by... Uh, I'm going to have to have some help with this because I think it's a Mexican name and I did struggle. So I just decided to do this instead. His name is... Alfonso Cuaron. Sorry? It's... Um... Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso Cuaron. I was Good so glad effort. I did this because I was saying Curion for ages and I just sound like a moron. <laughs> I'm this British moron that's trying to order something in, in Spain and can't figure out the Spanish. You're going to have a... Jalapeno. Gonna have a jalapeno, please. <laughs> Such an idiot. So yeah, um, it, I yeah. What were your thoughts, James? Straight off the top. Definitely an improvement over Chamber of Secrets. Absolutely, completely agree with like, that. Like, I obviously seeing <laughs> these films now as like a fully formed series of films that have been out for a while, and yeah. I'm just watching them in sequence almost immediately after one another. I almost can't imagine what it was like that that wait between the two films. Yeah, then seeing like, what like came a year out. and a half, I think, between that one, the Chamber of Secrets. I think a year and a half. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Draco aged ten years in that year. And a half. <laughs> he, did, he did get old, didn't he? It's weird. Um, they there's a more casual look in this film. Um, apparently, that was that was deliberate. They want the director wanted him to look less like prep and more like school kids is that why they all got given hoodies yeah they all got given hoodies they weren't strict on the uniform policies they had their own hairstyles and I think Alfonso wanted them to kind of bring more of their own individual character personalities to the roles um, and I think that works to its credit I think the, I think it's just better yeah. I just want to say to everybody all round better film better direction better, better acting better script I'd say just better yeah, yeah. yeah definitely better I mean, I'll just go off and say this, James. I know we wanted to kind of do a first thought review. So IMDb gave this film a 7.9 out of 10, which actually I thought was pretty low. I thought it'd be higher than that. Yeah. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an average of 86% audience score. And I wanted your score, James, out of 10. What do you reckon? Out of 10? Yeah. I'm I'm giving this a solid 8. Oh, good. A 9. That's good. I so, like that. So we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're way above. If we were to yeah. sort of roll back, Chamber of Secrets was like a 5 or a 6 for me. Okay. I wasn't massively yeah. into yeah, that. Yeah, I think but, that's fair. Yeah. Eight, possibly teetering to Teetering nine. on a nine. Yeah, I really like that. Um, obviously, we want to jump straight into our, our classic summary review. What have you got for our starting, James? What have you started with? So we open with what one might call a dark night. A very this, dark night. This, this being Warner Brothers. <laughs> I put really... I put here... Cool use of the Warner Brothers logo. <laughs> and I just realised, what an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I even write that? that but it, it, this could have been the opening of, you know, a Batman film. Yeah. It, it was it was that kind of Tim Burton-esque. Yeah. You had a slightly creepier version of the Harry Potter theme. It's more, um, yeah, it's more distant, isn't it? It's more subtle. Yeah. And it really just it builds really quietly and gently through the through the bit where he's in the bed. I think it was. I I love it, and I think John Williams. Uh, 
a absolutely spectacular job in this movie as well. I think the score is by far the best of the three films. Yeah, to so say you're two films in, you've heard this theme a number of times. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely sounds better in this film. We, we do move through a scene to a window and Harry's having a mini rave. <laughs> now, the film doesn't do a very good job of what he's... And explain what he's trying to do. I'm going to guess this is one of those in the book it makes more sense moments. I'm going to put, yeah, in in this podcast, this episode of the podcast especially, and it's going to get worse as we get on, I think, you're going to get a lot of in the book it did this. This film works really well as a movie, and obviously from your perspective it would be very interesting to see what you think, but there is a lot of things that are not in it that are in the books that right. make so much more sense. There's things that are set up that are, are, are hinted upon upon the film, but they're not paid off with the way the book pays them off, if that makes sense. Um, I think he's doing his homework, James. He's doing Hogwarts homework. Right. And he's practising a spell. <clears throat> now, to a lot of fans out there, who are fans of the books and the movies, I'm a bit sceptical about this bit because he's doing a one spell. Uh, he's doing Lumos under the covers, I was pretty sure that he got told he can't do magic outside school. Repeatedly told <laughs> that as a younger wizard magic person, he shouldn't be doing magic, any, any magic at all outside of school because it could go wrong. Yeah. Um, not to be confused with Ron, who often gets his magic wrong. Wrong, Ron. This, <laughs> it, it, this film um, actually doesn't have a lot of Ron mistakes. I know I've got some stuff about Ron in here I think we're going to leave that for a bit because there's so much to get through in this so we obviously night ends as it always does and we are introduced (laughs) to what's becoming a common theme of the films never explaining what his family that that, that hate him are up to I've got to the point now where I'm just settled to the fact that I'll never know who his family's invited over, That's, and I'll yeah. never know what they were there for, <laughs> apart from a plot device. This is uh, this is Aunt Marge who comes visiting for a, for a family dinner, um, played by the wonderful Pam Ferris. Yes, uh, she's fantastic. I, I ah, she's just brilliant. She's such a good actress, and she's I love. She's in like Matilda. Some of the things you see her in, she's always brilliant and yeah. she just pops up in this for that role and nails it and does she never see her again that's it but it's brilliant um, she's mentioned in the first film um, Aunt Marge is mentioned she's Vernon's sister and like Vernon she hates anything different and anything right. suspect and she doesn't like Harry Potter like every, <laughs> nobody seems no, to no, like no, Harry nobody really. likes Harry and we'll find out later <clears> that <throat> a lot of people really didn't like his parents that much either no um, I wrote, was that conservatory always there? Because I was confused <laughs> by the layout of Hogwarts. They probably had but, an extension put on. But now I'm starting to get confused about Harry's house as well. It seems to change size as and when they need the movie, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think what you'll find with this, and you're probably going to talk about it a lot, but the school s- certainly changes its entire layout in this movie. It does, to an extent, I think, maintain the same look... Yes, and structure and areas that you from from Prisoner of Azkaban on to the next and last film. Okay, it doesn't change much anymore. But yeah, the Hogwarts layout that we saw in in the previous two films is kind of abandoned. We're, we're, They've gone to different places to film. 
um, like Hagrid's huts in a different place, the trees in a different place. I was going loads to say, of stuffs in different places, isn't it? Compared has to what Hagrid it was. Moved? Or no. Is it meant to be the same house that was next yeah, to the yeah, woods, yeah. but is now on a hill overlooking the woods? Yeah, it's just a, an artistic directorial difference. I think they've just changed it and, and laid it out differently. But I, I don't know. I don't think it makes much of a difference. Does it? Who cares, really? <laughs> I realise I just said that. The fans are going to say, it really doesn't matter. And I'm going, it doesn't matter where the fuck Hagrid Hut is. Who no, cares? No, no one cares, um, except all you lovely people listening. <laughs> just offending everybody again. Sorry, James. <laughs> uh, I put Aunt Marge is really silly. Uh, she gets blown up by Harry when she uh, she gets angry. She, she tries to, you know, have a go at his mum and dad. Um, I said this is very Roald Dahl, I thought. It's really silly. Yeah. The beat works. It kind of works, but then it doesn't work because the, the content of the film is so dark. But then I just kind of thought to myself, it needs those silly beats, doesn't it? I think otherwise it would be far too dark for kids if it didn't have those funny beats. I think I, I wrote much later than this bit, but it actually makes sense for this bit. This film, the grown-ups have more fun. Mm. In previous films, it was the grown-ups that were worried about the trolls, but the kids had fun. The yeah. grown-ups were always the stressed teachers or stressed parents. Here, all the grown-up actors, I think, actually have more comedy I agree. than the I kids totally do. I totally agree with that. Yeah, they seem to have a more blasé attitude to all the things that are going on, and yeah. the kids seem to be more in danger. I agree with that. But I'd also say, even the dog has weight problems in this. <laughs> they, the evil people... Always seem to have weight problems, yeah, and the dog is yeah. is not left out of that. So can I just get bring this to you, because I thought you'd like this. I did a bit of research over the weekend for James, and I've really been looking into this, and I'm going to really, I'm going to push this a lot through this this episode and then the next few episodes. Um, Harry Melling, uh, he's the actor that plays um, Dudley, okay. Dursley, the cousin, the, yeah. the fat-shamed cousin that me and you have constantly had problems with during the first few films. Um Harry Melling in The Prisoner of Azkaban for filming the movie lost all his weight so he is not fat he grew up became a tall teenager lost all that puppy weight that you were saying yeah. about before um, and he had to wear a fat suit they had to put him in a fat suit James to make him more fat so that the film could fat shame him even though he's not fat because that joke's still funny in The Prisoner of Azkaban wow <laughs> <laughs> also, interesting fact about Melling, because I did a little bit more research about him. He comes from a famous family. Uh, mm. His granddad, um, Harry Melling's granddad, was Patrick Troughton. Um, nerdy people out there will know Patrick Troughton as the second Doctor. Played Doctor Who for, right. in the 60s, and he's a really famous actor. Uh, and wow. he is the grandson of Patrick Troughton. And okay. I also just want to say as well, for the record, Harry... Harry Melling, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've ever come across this podcast, if anyone listens to this podcast and knows Harry Melling, for the love of God, please get him in touch with us because I would love to pick his brains. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Definitely. I would. If any any actor from Harry Potter, I know there's loads of them, I want to speak to Harry Melling the most. Yeah. I want to know his opinion on this. Yeah, I want to know how he feels about the way yeah. everything went down. So far, even I don't know what happens next, but so far, yeah, we do see him again. We do see him again, so he is in it a few more times. But I, I just want to know more about Harry Melling and that experience of being fat shamed through the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, it's not good. (laughs) It's terrible. And then the the aunt has uh, Monty Python. Oh, but sir, it's only waffle thin moments. As she's blown up by Harry. <laughs> the glass explodes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm 
I'm confused because as she as she leaves the house and and <laughs> Vernon has another fall that would probably have killed him. Yeah, from the from trying to hold on to so it. So that's two films in a row where he's he's really yeah. not yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's survived, he's doing well. Yeah. It's daylight. Yeah. Harry then storms I, out the house. I I put this it's I think it's dusk. Okay. It is tea time and like what is it? It must be summer because they're about to go back to school, aren't they? Yeah. So you're talking like eight o'clock, nine o'clock maybe. Yeah. And it's then near enough pitch black when he when Harry mm. storms out. Harry storms out and he goes to what I've written as an extremely quiet Surrey Road. There's not a car in sight. There's not a dog walker in sight. There's not a hoodie. No. Or a BMX gang. There's nobody. There's a very creepy empty park. Yep. And that's it. And then what do we see but a creepy dog um, coming out from behind a bush and he sort of looks at Harry. Harry looks at the dog and the dog barks at Harry and Harry falls over. Now, it's just a dog. Yeah. It could just be a dog. That, I mean, I, I grew up in an area in Nottingham where stray dogs were quite a common thing. And there'll be a few people that probably grew up in, in the late 80s, early 90s in certain parts of the UK. It's like packs of stray dogs in the estate was quite a common occurrence. Yeah, I mean, dogs do stray. It's, yeah. it's there. And, like, sure, it, I guess living in England is quite the norm to see dogs out, but usually on leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually exactly. on leads. I don't, I don't, you don't see them anymore. You don't yeah. see them anymore. But I yeah, I remember seeing a lot of stray dogs when I was a kid. They used yeah. to just knocking about on the street. I think people used to let them out. They used to get out from gardens. You'd end up in your back garden. You'd have to ring up and try and find out if anyone knew whose dog this was. It was really strange. Yeah. Um, just, try say, and get, just want to get in your house and curl up. It wasn't... It's not an unusual animal to see on the street. No. Like... You, you, it might be a fox. It might be a very large, aggressive cat. Mm. You just don't, you know, Absolutely. you just don't fall over at the sight no, of those don't. because, I mean, someone should have probably told Harry. Again, this is down to his lack of education because they don't teach him anything <laughs> realistic at this school. Someone should have told Harry yeah. that even though he's a, um, we'll put in air quotes, thirteen-year-old child, because <laughs> blatantly not in this film. Um, <laughs> As he, even as a 13-year-old child, he's still an apex predator himself. <laughs> that, that dog has got nothing on Harry. Harry can weaponise that trunk he's carrying yeah. quite easily to protect himself against. He's also got an invisibility cloak in there somewhere. Could have yeah. used that, couldn't he? Yeah. I, I just want to bring this up really quick, because I know we've got to move through this film as quick as we really can, but I, it, Sirius Black is the dog. Yeah, we all knew this. Like we all know this yeah. now. Spoilers. In, yeah, we're gonna put the, again. If you haven't seen this film, I just don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Just go away. Uh, <laughs> we don't want you. Um, so he, it's serious. Black is a dog, and would it not have been easier for Sirius to just approach him in the street as a bloke and just go, "Are you Harry Potter?" Yeah. Why? Before you go back to the Wizarding World, you're going to hear a few things about me. But I thought I'd just let you know, I was your dad's best friend and he was betrayed by a rat. Yeah. yeah I mean, that could, could have... have solved a lot of problems there. If I... you had to just turned up as a, a bloke, not as a dog. I also wondered, how many people know that Sirius can turn into a dog? Mm. And is that just how he's avoided being captured? Yeah. Is um... he just walking around as a dog and people going, oh, there's a dog there? <laughs> yeah. Are there limits on how long he can be a dog for? Not that we know of. Um, this is the thing where I know we're going to get through this film and we will get through this podcast 
I will keep trying to help you with this as much as possible from the nerdy book help. reader's perspective. <laughs> so Sirius Black gets out of Azkaban because he can transform into a dog. That's so how he gets that's out. That's how he escapes. Yes. The- Nobody knows he can transform into a dog apart from his three best friends, James Potter, um, Remus Lupin, and Peter Pettigrew. Right. All four of those boys went to Hogwarts together and were all best friends. I think maybe Snape might know, but I don't know if he does. And again, fans of the books, please comment and kick me. I, but yeah, the yeah. common consensus is that only the four boys knew that they, they, they could transform into animaguses, into, into animals. Ah, okay. Really quickly, and we will move on, the reason they transform into animagi, I think is the plural is so that when Lupin turns into a werewolf and has to go into that hut for a weekend, mm-hmm. the boys can go and visit him and not be killed. Ah. Which is never mentioned in the movie. No. Do you remember the big shack that they go to? Yeah. And they end up in the shack. The shack exists because Lupin went to Hogwarts, but every month he had to go down that tunnel to the shack and stay in there whilst he was a werewolf. The tree protected the tunnel so no one would go down it and nobody could run into him. And no one went to the shack because they told them the shack was haunted. This is why Lupin is there. And that's why the boys can transform into animals because when they were friends, they wanted to be with Lupin even though they couldn't be because he would kill them. That makes sense. That now makes way more sense. Yes. The the, the, the house haunted thing. Yep. Not really dealt with very well in the film. Makes so much sense, yeah. (laughs) I um I saw a thing that caught my attention just briefly because mm-hmm. after Harry meets the dog he goes on a magical mystery tour on a bus <laughs> he does yeah he goes and on the night bus I love the night bus the, the night bus is it is great yeah it seems impractical that it has a chandelier <laughs> the but... beds aren't bolted down <laughs> that's also kind of impractical James the, yeah, the the bus gets him to where he wants to be, it which does. I've, it's something cauldron. Is that right? Leaky cauldron. Leaky cauldron. Mm. Now, as the camera's panning through the leaky cauldron, you see someone having a drink, and I wrote, "Is that Ian Brown?" Oh, so glad that you got this. So <laughs> I, that's really funny because I did write that. I, I was gonna, I was gonna thrust that fact upon you later. Uh, cameo, yeah. Ian Brown, the singer from the Stone Roses, is sat in the leaky cauldron stirring his uh, mug yeah. with magic. And he's reading a book, James. He's reading The Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, yes. which is also a setup for what happens later in the movie. That makes. Yeah. yeah it's that, cool, isn't it? I, is cool. I saw that and I hadn't seen that when I first watched the movie and I saw it a couple of years later. I mean, you know, I was 13 years old. Like, I didn't know who the hell Ian Brown was, didn't care. But now, like, being a big Stone Roses fan, I. Yeah, it was really funny to see that. I um, I put a few things about the Nightbus. I'll just put it. It is pointless. It's an action beat. It is fun. I really like how it's done. I think it's really daft. Um, it was also edited in a really interesting way. So it was shot with the bus going at normal speed through a set of traffic. Uh, they built all the streets and, and drove it around okay. sets of traffic and, and streets. Uh, all the traffic is going past at five miles per hour. The bus is going at about 35 miles per hour. Oh, okay. So, so that when they recorded it, they could speed it up and it would look great. So all the cars look like they're going that. normal speed and the bus looks like it's going really fast. That's clever. Uh, yeah, I really like that. Um, another cameo on the night bus, James. The shrunken head. Yes. Is uh, Lenny Henry. Sir Lenny Henry Sir now. Sir Lenny Henry now, yeah. yeah. Can, that- you, can I give you a shout out there, Lenny? Sir Lenny Henry, <laughs> sorry. 
that, that makes sense because that it is definitely a cool little character moment. I like it's that. lovely, and there's so many cameos in this movie actually that I kind of lost. I lost it a little bit. I was a bit kind of perplexed. But I kept finding them and then saying, "Ah, oh, James will love that." Like the Ian Brown one, the Lenny Henry one. Uh, we get Dawn French also yes. in it. She plays the fat lady portrait, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, the bus is also an example of something that I'm starting to realise as well about the films. Mm. Harry's very seldom actively involved in discovering stuff. Mm. I don't know if this is the same in the books, but in the films, things just happen to Harry. Mm. Like, the the person happens to mention Sirius Black has escaped. Yeah, it's like that's the first bit in the film where he finds out what's going on and the plot's kind of given to the to, to the audience. Yeah. That's about 22 minutes into the film, just so you know. Yeah. So it's like 22 minutes we've had basically no real plot apart yeah. from a few silly things that have happened. But it also makes you realise that a film called The Prisoner of Azkaban is actually about someone who's not in Azkaban for most of the film. Yeah. He's actually a bit like Dobby was a free elf the whole film. <laughs> yeah, Sirius is fine. S- Sirius isn't in Azkaban. So Azkaban was supposed to be in the film. That was, they, they did concept art for it. Okay. Um, it's detailed they had storyboards I can't show them on the podcast obviously because that would defeat the point but they it's a sort of triangular building and it's a huge fortress in the middle of the North Sea surrounded by nothing but sea and Dementors flying around it and then we do see it in one of the films later I think it might be film 5 that we see it in okay so you will see it they did they didn't waste it that's it cool were. but yeah didn't see it in the whole movie no the prison's mentioned probably a thousand times in the film but we never see the prison um, I like that Sheffield got a shout out in this yes when he meets the, the Prime Minister uh, Cornelius Fudge and yeah. he tells him that the auntie was found in Sheffield circling a chimney stack I was like oh, that's, that's yeah, cool I love that, that. that is a cool shout out it sort of shows how, how far she's travelled yeah, and uh, it also shows that yet again Rich Kid Harry has had his books bought for him yeah I put that <laughs> oh god brilliant I've written that as well I've put more free magic stuff James tell James books are free so Harry doesn't presumably doesn't pay for those new school books he's got a whole pile of new books I bet Ron got fuck all again yeah poor Ron and not only yeah are books free Jake yeah books are still to be feared books have teeth <laughs> Books are evil. Books should not be that, written. You said in the last episode, J.K. Rowling doesn't do a very good job of advertising books to kids. And you're right. She There's a book that literally bites people if you try and open it. Yep. <laughs> so ridiculous. I don't know if that's in the... I must be in the book. Yeah. I don't remember reading it in the book. So I remember... So, I mean, I saw this film in 2000... I think it's 2003 when this first came out. Wow, okay. Um, and it was in the Savoy in Nottingham. And yeah, I don't remember... I don't. I remember seeing that scene and thinking, "Oh, it's a bit strange." And again, it's kind of funny. Yeah, doesn't really do anything for the plot. No, and I no. feel like not they, that I'm they complaining. They really use it a few times. They don't do they? use it a few times in the film, yeah, but it doesn't serve much of a purpose other than just making. I guess it's just to sell sell shit, isn't it? I guess like a can toy, you can get yeah. a toy. I bet you can get a toy of it. There, there must be a, yeah. a a toy monster book, book with of teeth. monsters. Yeah kids are messed up it's weird isn't it um, we, we, speaking of kids we then meet Ron and Hermione mm-hmm. Hermione has a new pet I think I don't think we've met the cat before no uh, Crookshanks is introduced name's Crookshanks Crookshanks the cat yeah uh, I wrote is this an actual regular cat because we're, we've yet to meet regular cats Hermione was a cat <laughs> Yeah. in a previous McGonagall film. can sometimes be, be a, a cat, cat and now this isn't just an actual normal cat Mrs Norris is a cat is a cat but with red eyes 
Has she got red eyes? I think she she seems quite demonic, Mrs. Knight. I need to look into that. I didn't know that. I, can I just add this? Because I've missed this from our last conversation. <laughs> and I really want to put it in because it's really funny. I put, Monster Book of Monsters eats people when you open it. Imagine what the sex education book does. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know this, these weird things that are going on in Hogwarts. It's just strange. Presumably yeah. they had that education at some point. Again, they probably didn't. No. Because they don't have any normal education. There's no education that goes on in Hogwarts. Oh, God. Things just happen, and the teachers seem to go, yeah, you did that well. Do you know when you can tell that you've lost interest in something? I've put a note here that just says, Innkeeper Tom has a really annoying laugh. Why does he need to be a hunchback? Is this important? <laughs> <laughs> We, we then, <clears throat> we're, we're back on the train. We're going to Hogwarts. Yep. We, yeah, yeah. We've been told that Sirius Black is on the loose by yeah. Arthur Weasley, Mark Williams' character. And then we get on the train. Um, the rat, uh, Scab is the rat, is nearly left. Yeah. Probably should have left him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after everything that happens, he's not really a great rat. He's not a good pet. I don't know why Ron's so fussed about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he clearly doesn't care about him. No. So why is he bothered when it but, all goes tits up? He didn't even remember to pack the rat. He And he keeps giving Hermione <laughs> a, a really hard time over this rat yeah. that he doesn't really care about. I'm just going to put... Because he loses it like seven times during the film. Yeah. I'm just thinking... You don't even care about this rat. Why are you moaning about it to Hermione? And again, I just thought to myself then, brilliant name for the episode would be Ron didn't even pack the rat. <laughs> I think that's that's got to be it. Although Ron's <laughs> getting a lot of these titles because it was Juiced Up Weasley last time, wasn't Juiced it? Juiced Up Weasley, yeah. Um, right. Can I just say as well on the, on the subject of Ron, I've written it somewhere in my notes. Ron, <sighs> Rupert Grint pulls the most annoying faces in this movie. Now, I'm probably going to get on our Twitter page and just put a few up because I need people to be on the same page as me. He does the same stupid expression about ten times in this film where he just looks perplexed and dumbfounded and it really got to me after a while like he's when he's moaning about the rat when the dog gets his leg there's just so many scenes and there's a bit right at the end of the film when um, Hermione and Harry reappear after disappearing with the time turner yeah that Ron kind of points at them and then points at them again and then he just does the face the face again god it's yeah. annoying I yeah I noticed some you, of that did you get and, that yeah and it's it is it's frustrating but obviously remember these these are well, we can't even call them child actors anymore, can we? Because they've grown up a bit. Yeah, but they're, they're quite young, young people. Young people. So, um, the train breaks down. The train breaks down. Um, we see, yeah, we see Lupin on the train. Professor Lupin sat on the cabin with them. I also just kind of thought here, Lupin's a teacher. He's fully equipped in the magical arts. Can he not travel some other way? Like they have the the magic fireplaces. We later learn that they can literally teleport. They can do something called apparate. Which we right. haven't discovered yet. I don't think it was probably written in the books at this point, but later on, apparition becomes a big part of how wizards do run their day-to-day activities. Is that because they run out of fireplaces? Or God can knows. They, can they do that I have anyway? no idea. But you tell me why a professor at Hogwarts has to go on the train with all the children and he can't just magically go to the school. And why, why does he... Yeah, surely if the teachers do have to use the train... You'd think they'd have their own carriage. He's clearly not asked about the kids either because he's sat in the corner with a blanket over his head. Yeah. He, he wants to be left, <sighs> left alone. Left alone. Um, it's at this point where Ron asks, how does Hermione know everything? And then instantly 
they meet the Dementors that Hermione knows nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't bring anything up. So Hermione's set up as this person who knows everything, <clears throat> mm. but then says nothing when the Dementors arrive. The Dementor scene, I mean, oh, it is fantastic. I it, put... it is it is proper scary. Like it's a brilliant little scene. And I think as a kid that grew up reading the books, that scene is exactly what it looks like in the book. Does that make sense? Like yeah. the way you would you... picture that scene in the book, no matter who you are, and a lot of people have said this. That is exactly what it looked like in my imagination. It's fantastic. Is, is that because you had already... Because at this point, had Lord of the Rings come out? I don't know. Probably, yeah. I think it came out in 2001, didn't it, the first one? Yeah, they would have been out by then, yeah. Is, it because, is that the reason you see this as you imagined it? Because these things look like ring wraiths to me. Yeah, they are they... a little bit like ring wraiths, aren't they? I guess there's a little bit of uh, licensing embellishment there, probably. <laughs> Um, I mean, again, they're creatures that can potentially kill people. Yeah. They can suck out your soul. But they're allowed onto a train full of children. Onto a train full of children. Uh, they're allowed to just sit outside a school full of children. Um, you know, to be fair, if, if you were a parent of a child going to this school and you were aware that yeah. effectively predator demons were out there... <laughs> Just sitting on the school grounds doing their thing. He says that they can prey on bad thoughts. When I was a child, I had a lot of bad thoughts. You know, you're quite timid when you're a kid, aren't you, generally? And I just put, imagine if this was your first fucking year at school. Yeah. And you get on the magic train for the first time. You're going on the magic train journey through the moors. Yeah. Up to Hogwarts. It stops in the dead of night and a demon gets on it that can suck out your soul. (laughs) I'd be like, send me back. I think I've had Northern Rail journeys that are too dissimilar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the train's still better than Northern. Um, after this, uh, Lupin gets rid of the Dementor. He does, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. instantly seems to buy the trust of the children by offering him chocolate. He does, yeah. And Getting that happens a lot in, in this film. He mm. keeps saying, have some chocolate, it helps. Is that a bigger thing in the book? Because I, I, I was trying can't to remember, James. I think it's just to do with blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe Lupin's probably the only person yeah. that did any science when he was at school. Perhaps because every every so often in this film, whenever Harry's dealing with anything difficult, yeah. he gets offered chocolate by Lupin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Lupin and Snape. I've looked at these films now, all three of them so far. I think they're the only two that teach the kids anything of any value. <laughs> I don't think any other teacher. Somebody criticised me and you on the, when I was talking to them at work about the fact that we set, we kept getting the names wrong and we were talking about Professor Quirrell's lesson. Yeah. And it was the fact that he's holding a giant lizard whilst talking about bats. And it was just like, there's just no real reigning in of the subjects here. Hagrid teaches a lesson about petting a giant bird horse. Uh, yeah. And no. I learnt nothing about hippogriffs other than probably shouldn't approach them. Yeah, uh, um, they steal another moment. Harry has his Titanic, I'm on top of the world moment. On does, top yeah. of the, the, I'm going to call it a griffin. It's a griffin. It's, it's not a, big, a, hippog- a big griffin. It's a big griffin. Um, I also, after the train, we, we arrive at Hogwarts. Yeah. And we're introduced to something very, very new. First time, I think, in the franchise. I think I know what you're going to say. The soundtrack has lyrics. Yeah. It's, it's the, the Hogwarts fir- choir. Yeah. And it's the first time where we hear singing in the soundtrack that's 
legible. I mean, we've heard choirs going ooh and ah, I think, in, yeah. the, in, in the past, but this is the first soundtrack where it's got very audible lyrics, and it was interesting that they, mm. they made that choice in this film. Did you know what the lyrics were? I, you're going to tell me. Yeah, it's yeah. a very famous song. Okay. It's the song that the witches sing to Macbeth in Macbeth. Ah, okay. When they go to meet the three witches at the cauldron. That seems like a really good thing to yeah, teach Yeah, it's children. really well referenced, though. I thought it was really clever. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing it when I was a kid in my, and, and learning it was from Macbeth and being like, oh, that's cool. It's quite a nice link, I guess, witches. And... Why were the frogs there? Giant toads, yeah, no idea. Really no. odd. I put that in my notes. <laughs> giant toads that just sort of burp, and they're being carried by the choir. Presumably they have some sort of orchestral integrity. <laughs> Maybe they're really good at singing, I don't know. Um, Hagrid's been promoted. He has, yeah. As well as moving house. Uh-huh. which apparently hasn't moved house. I assumed he just got the new house with his new job as a professor. Yeah. And uh, Dumbledore looks really good. He does, yeah. Uh, after the last film, Dumbledore's actually been de-aged. <laughs> There's some really weird stuff in that bit. Yeah, he does look pretty good. Uh, he's been promoted to teacher because apparently one of the teachers needs to spend more time with his remaining limbs. Did you hear that yes. line? I thought it was quite good. That's you get introduced to Gambon as well at the school, who's taken over from the uh, Richard Harris, who we unfortunately lost Richard Harris before. I think he died just either during filming or just before they wanted to start shooting. Uh, um, that's a shame. Yeah, I've got a fact about that later. I'm going to save it till the end. But, um, that's cool. And then I've put the introduction to Emma Thompson, which I really liked. Uh, they introduce Emma Thompson as the as the um, divination teacher, Professor Trelawney. Yeah, I I wrote for this bit. Kids all look like they'd rather be learning maths. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that impressed by reading tea leaves. They're not. Emma Emma Thompson is absolutely brilliant. Um, that character for me is actually better than I thought she was going to be in the book. I, yeah. she's just one of those characters. She brought it to life in a really interesting, funny way. And when she's on screen, she's she's really good. And it's just another person that you just think. Oh, it's another brilliant British actor they've just thrown in there. Yeah, Ron nearly wins the film for me at this point because mm. he predicts my future with the Harry Potter franchise what does he with, say? with the line, You'll suffer, but you'll be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is because that prediction is probably the only bit of magic Ron does in the whole film again yeah. because that is what happens at the end of the Harry Potter film. That's the end yeah. of Prisoner Asking when he sort of goes through a lot of stuff but then ultimately feels better for adopting a new father figure, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to skip through this as quick as I can because we need a lot to get through. I want to put this in because it's funny. There's a chubby kid who is never seen in any of the other films yeah. who is in this movie. He first pops up in Divination when they're eating the tea leaves and Harry gets the omen of the, the the Grim. Yes. And he sort of says, this is the Grim, it's an omen of death. And he see the tea leaves look like a, a giant black dog. Yeah. And then we see him again later in the in the rec room, sort of in the Great Hall, and they're talking about Sirius Black. And they're all... T- oh, Neville's there. Yeah. Uh, Seamus uh, Finnegan, the Irish guy's there. Yeah. Um, Dean Thomas is there. All the big boys who were in Harry's dormitory. Harry and Ron and Hermione are there. All the characters we know. This kid we've never seen before. Yeah. He has another line. He's like trying to catch smoke with your bear hat. Do you remember? Yeah. And he talks about Sirius Black. You're like, who is this kid? Who is this kid? He never shows up again. We don't see him in any of the films. He's not in any of the books. I have no idea who he is. So please, if you are that kid who's in that scene of the film and in Prisoner of Azkaban only, tweet us, get in contact with us. Let me and James know who you are. We'd love to meet you. 
and also not like catching smoke with your hands. It's like catching a bloke when you're looking for a bloke who actually looks like a dog. <laughs> That's more realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got the pointless lesson with the hippogriff. Like you say, I think it's just to introduce the. the I mean, I'm not going to slag off. Uh, what's his name? Bookbeak. Yeah. I'm not going to slag off Bookbeak because he's all right. He doesn't really. He doesn't do anything wrong. I I just put. It's a bad bad time of it, this, really, isn't he? This class seems to have zero benefit. Oh wait. This will help the plot later, won't it? Draco Malfoy is a dick. That Dra- and then he gets hit by the hippogriff and he ends up in hospital. He gets hit by the hippogriff and then becomes possibly hero number two of the film by saying that bloody chicken. It's a good line. Yeah, I like that. Um, I just put again just to kind of go back to um, Alfonso's directorial. Like he's so good. Um, he directed Gravity, uh, which is really good. It won the Academy Award, I think, yeah. after uh, amongst many other films. He he's a great director. His style's just beautiful. Like some of the some of the shots in this movie, especially this one where when they're introduced to Lupin's classroom and you're inside the, the wardrobe mirror. Do you remember? Yeah. And there's like a scene. There's like a shot where we sort of come out of the wardrobe and then we see we're in the classroom. Yeah. And it, the camera comes through the wardrobe. Fantastic! I thought that's absolutely a brilliant shot, and it's one of the first things in Potter we've had so far where you're like, "That's beautiful. Yeah. That's real artistic direct- directing, and it's so different to anything else." And there's a lot of camera work in this film where you're like, "We do little set pieces, little motions where we never see them in any other films, and we haven't seen them in the others previous." Yeah. Like when we follow the little bird through Hogwarts's grounds, yeah, and then it gets snapped by the by the Whomping Willow tree. Yeah, love all that. I think it's, it's just so good. It is really cool. I, the, it's just so different to what's come before. The previous films were quite um, deadpan. Yeah, quite blocked. They're very you vanilla. Know, it's we've put the camera here and we're going to follow the actors through mm. this scene. Uh, this film, like you say, there's some really clever little camera It's so tricks. fluid, and I love it. I like the scene with the uh, with Lupin's classroom. We get introduced again to David Thrillis, who plays Lupin. Um, David Thrillis, we see him a couple of times in the in the in the franchise. He's a fantastic, tender actor. Really brings something to that role. He, yeah. Apparently, he um, he auditioned as Quirrell for episode one for film one. Really? Yeah, didn't get the Quirrell role. Right. Um, and was then brought back in Prison of Azkaban and cast as Lupin, which you just think. My God, I'm so glad you got cast as Lupin and not Quirrell. Yeah, because you just, that just been, been a waste. David through this had just been wasted as Quirrell. I'm trying to think now. When I was first, like, I first experienced him as an actor, and I think it was in the classic Dragonheart. Mm. <laughs> Where he's brilliant. He's, yeah, he's great in that because he he's he's probably the only person that's like a believable character in that film because he's just an arse but yeah a really really cool actor and I like I liked him a lot in this yeah I've really. always liked David Thewlis. Um do you know I know a little fact for you in between um, facts that we've got for you later do you know where he started his actual acting career what no. he started in David Thewlis started his acting career in Only Fools and Horses in the 80s oh and if you didn't know he's in the episode where Rodney um, gets a band together and Del Boy pretends to be their manager. Do you yes. remember? And yes. David Thewlis is one of the guitar players. Brilliant. He's like not. He has like maybe four lines in the whole episode, I think. But he is. That's where he started. He started in Fools and Horses. I thought, what a brilliant fact. That's that, so cool. That is. Oh, that's great. I I um. I like him in this film because I think he plays off Daniel Radcliffe really well. Yeah, he does. But I put that in my notes as well. They, he, they yeah. have little moments, and I I put. 
Harry doesn't get to go on school trip, gets to do exposition instead. Yeah, and he there's, does. There's, there's a cool bit, because there, there's a lot of stuff in this film which I'm almost certain is just there for people who never read the books. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff in here that might happen in the books, just the way it's done. Yeah, agreed. And the bit where Lupin talks about Harry's mum and dad, Mm. It gets a bit awkward because it seems like Lupin had a bit of a crush on Harry's yeah, mom. Yeah, maybe you did. Yeah, but I don't think that's it, really hinted upon in the book as much. But yeah, I think it's just because he was a bit of the shy, the shy yeah. kid at school. I think. Yeah. So it, it gets a little bit awkward at that point. But yeah, it, it's just really cool that there's moments like that that fill in some knowledge gaps for me because I've never read the book. Yeah, I think like you said, I, I'm so I'm so funny that you've said that as well about Thrillis and, and Radcliffe. They, mm. I want, I'd love to know what that was like because he does genuinely. There seems to be something about when them two characters are in that scene together, the bridge scene. They yeah. have a scene when they're doing the, the Dementor stuff, and then they have a scene at the end in the office. All of those scenes, Radcliffe is probably at his best. Yes, I think Radcliffe's acting is so much better in those scenes than in many of the other bits of the films. He's fant- it's really good, and it's really strange that you think yeah. how two actors gel with each other. And apparently, Radcliffe um, not had a man crush, but man- his favorite actor at the time was um, Oldman, oh, okay. and was really excited when Oldman was cast in That's this movie. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm gonna kind of go through this. Uh, yeah, when you said that about. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the village they need permission to go to the village of Hogsmeade yeah and I just broke permission slip needed Dementors Basilisks Trolls Hippogriffs <laughs> Quidditch Three Headed Dogs Werewolves Giant Spiders but the trip to the village you'll need permission for all of that you don't want them buying sweets these kids are going to rot their teeth can you believe it sweets are dangerous he can do all these things but he can't go to the village because he's too dangerous it's ridiculous so Harry doesn't get to go um and then he has, he has to sort of remain behind. He gets to do it later because, again, he's got a bloody invisibility cloak, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, we then cut to a scene where they come back from the trip and the fat lady is gone. She's been she's been stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> she's been slashed. There, there's, there's a claw mark yeah. and she saw red eyes <clears throat> and everyone assumes that this is Sirius Black yeah. at this point. Even though... To my knowledge, no one actually knows that Sirius Black can be a dog. No. Nobody so, apart from Lupin in that school knows Sirius Black can be a dog. But Lupin's not there because he's recovering from being the werewolf that did the thing. No. Wh- no. Because he's D- not there, is he? In- right. I think this is this is where you might struggle to deviate from the books. Now, there is a... Um, Lupin... Lupin has to go off every month to be a werewolf, doesn't yeah. he? I've put that in my notes. Lupin has a lot of sick days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sirius Black Dog gets into the castle. Yeah. And he does try and get into the Gryffindor dormitory. So that was that was Black, right? So I watching the film. Yeah. I'd that's interesting. That actually. was Lupin. No, I, no, no, I'd no, no. That's no. why he wasn't there. And, and maybe that's a cool thing they do in the film because it yeah it, it, I think that it, works it kept, it it kept, kept you in, it, yeah. yeah so Black's trying to get into the dormitory to get to Ron's rat because um, yeah it's immediately after this where Harry and Lupin are out walking and he's got the owl with him mm-hmm. I think I think that's what's happening at this it might point be around that time because yeah. uh, Lupin agrees to train Harry but it'll mm. have to wait till after holiday this is after the Dementors attack him in the Quidditch match I think yeah um, and and yeah and Hedwig at this point decides to fly off 
And it's again, it's a cool camera move, but it looks like Hedwig has got bored and flies to the future. <laughs> she has literally flown through time to get to winter. Um, yeah. So Sirius Black's trying to get to the rat, and this is a thing that <clears throat> I I agree with you. And as a as a person that was into, into the books as a child, I came away kind of frustrated that they didn't address a lot of things for non book fans. The minister has to go to an inspection every so often to Azkaban just to make sure no one's been killed. Yeah, <laughs> and the, he gives Black the newspaper of the day, and the newspaper has on it the Weasleys, and in the picture he sees Ron holding a rat. And the rat has a striking resemblance to his mate, Peter Pettigrew, who Sirius Black knows is a rat. Right. Does this make sense? That now makes sense, because later on in the film, yeah. when he says, that is my mate, Peter... He, he knows, but that's why Black escapes when he does. Because he sees he the Weasleys that have been to Egypt. Missing, missing a, a finger? Yeah. A and toe fact, on his... That's a really tiny detail, because as a dog, he grabs Ron and pulls him through. By accident. By accident, because he's going for the rat. Exactly. I mean, very different. <laughs> yeah. Is this like the, the rumour that dogs can't look up? Can Sirius, when he's a dog, not tell the difference between a rat and a child? I think it might be a depth perception thing, <laughs> or like when you point at something and the dog just looks at your finger. Um, so yeah, that's a thing that, again, doesn't make much sense, but that is why, James. Um, so yeah, the paintings disappear, they find out that Black's got into the castle, and then they all have to sleep in the Great Hall whilst they search the whole castle. Now this annoyed me because last year... They didn't even know there was a massive chamber with a giant snake underneath the castle. So how did they know they checked everywhere? <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to understand what everywhere means for this. this in, a, in a magic castle in a magic with castle magic rooms that don't magic. exist. Very, very strange. Um, uh, we, Lupin's off sick again, James. Um, Snape takes their lesson, decides to teach them about werewolves. Yeah. Probably the best lesson in the entire series so yeah. far. Yeah, I, I mean... Kind of gives away early on that Lupin is the werewolf, mm. um, but also it lets us know that even in a magic school, the teachers use projectors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just starting to get up to scratch. They haven't quite got biro yet, but they've got some new stuff. They've got projectors, even though Snape demonstrates that he can control which page their books are on. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so it's it's like. It, it, it doesn't need the projecting. No. They can all look at the same page in a book. I've then put Quidditch gets a lot harder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it seems like Draco can predict the weather as well because yeah. Draco sends Harry a picture of what Quidditch will look like tomorrow. <laughs> and then Quidditch looks exactly like the note that Draco crudely draws on a paper aeroplane that can control itself. Maybe Draco's got one of those things that Hermione's got and he's gone and had a look. Um yeah, and then Harry sees the giant black dog in the sky and then falls off his broom after being attacked by the Dementors. Dumbledore saves him. I've put, why has Dumbledore not saved him before <laughs> in the previous two? Or any of the other kids that fall off brooms. <laughs> there was that kid in the first film that yeah. fell down the flag. These kids are always getting out in Quidditch. And, you know, they've got this hospital that can cure things, but surely... Yeah, prevention is better yeah, than a cure. Absolutely. And then I just put James all of this because Harry ends up back in the hospital again in the third book, in third film. <laughs> yep, that, that hospital. Uh, they're making use of that set. They, they paid money for a set that looks like a... Well, it looks like a church, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like it's an not... old church turned into a like, makeshift hospital. It's kind of cool. It yeah. looks Victorian. Yeah, it, it works. I've then got a massive problem with this next beat, James. <sighs> Magic can turn back time, teleport things. It can make your spirit go into a diary and bring you back to life. It can reanimate the dead, which we'll find out later. Okay. It can regrow your bones. 
but it can't fix a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> I I also noted this down, and I do love that the broomstick was damaged by the tree that yeah. Harry and Ron destroyed in the last yeah. film. <laughs> yeah, they pissed so, it off, and it's getting its payback so on this, them now. This, this, I, I'm assuming it's the same tree, because it's in a different position. It's the same film. tree, it's yeah. The it's the tree. same storyline tree. It's a one ping willow. Brilliant. Um, we... <clears throat> get to see another trip to Hogsmeade I so, think they go a couple times a year and it probably make more sense in the so, book they go for Christmas break don't they I yeah, think, what, yeah so, what's so, happening. so they're off Harry can't go because he's still not got a signed letter <sighs> yep. then Harry ends up at Exposition Villa yeah <laughs> he, he now to allow him to go on this trip to carry things forward in the plot is given a really creepy version of Google Maps yeah, I put find my friends. Yep. yep. So he now knows where all of his friends are, all the teachers, including Filch with Mrs. Norris, mm-hmm. who Mrs. Norris is a different cat in this film, not the same cat. Is she? I, I, I'm pretty certain it's a different sized cat. Didn't look. Yeah. Glad you noticed that, though. Um, so Mrs. Norris looks different. That's funny. Um, <laughs> and then rich kid Harry gets to Hogsmeade through... Gifted map. book. Gifted G- map. Gifted map. So he's not paid for his map. No, nope. he's not paid for the cloak that got that helps him get there. No, nope. and then he steals a sweet from a kid. He does. He steals a lollipop off somebody. Neville Longbottom, I believe. Poor Neville. Yeah, loses his sweet. Harry just walks around like nothing matters to him because he's invisible. I I I really like that. Matthew Lewis, who plays Neville in this film, um, he has a funny moment with Snape in the wardrobe, doesn't he? When the Bogart thing comes out of the wardrobe, and that's yes. a really nice little moment. And Matthew Lewis has to wear false teeth in a fat suit. Did you know that? Because, Another one? Yeah. Because Why is Ma- it with these fat Because suits? if you look at Matthew Lewis now, he's grown up into quite a handsome bloke. Yeah. <laughs> he's quite desirable by the old, uh, by the ladies. So the fact that when he was a teenager, they thought, hang on, that ugly fat kid's starting to get a bit good looking. <laughs> Gotta just... put some false teeth on him and make him fat. <laughs> <laughs> and Did- I, can I tell you that I know this because I met Matthew Lewis oh. and he told me that uh, Matthew Lewis I think is from Leeds and he yeah. uh, he's a friend of my mate from from university and I, I got to meet him and he did tell me quite a few cool facts again I'd love to know if he ever listens to this podcast if he could just drop me some more facts to read out <laughs> because the fact that he told me about that and it, yeah because they had to just make his character look more geeky than he is because he doesn't look that geeky it, no, it, and wow, I, I'm learning lots now. So pretty much every kid that looks any different or cooler than they did when they first started yeah. ends up in a fat suit. Yeah, and then Harry goes out to he gets the he gets the kind of down low from teachers who just discuss exposition in front of anybody. Yeah, and finds out that Sirius Black betrayed his mum and dad, um, and helped aid in their eventual murder from Voldemort yeah mm. and so, that's the kind of bit where we realise oh something else it's something deeper than we know yeah Sirius Black obviously at this point we don't think is a cool guy anyway no now he's really uncool because he was Harry's dad's best friend yeah at school. And, and his godfather it's yeah. at this point Harry runs out of the room yeah ignores any kind of stealthiness that he's already developed by this point runs out <laughs> of the room and knocks over a choir. So he knocks them over, <clears throat> which is Ron and Hermione's cue to go follow him. Yeah. Do you remember when Radcliffe and Harry, Harry does this huge sort of rant about he was their friend and he screams? It's a really kind of like tender moment. They then get to see like 
it's like a cut to the next scene. Now, I watched this film at the Savoy Cinema in Nottingham, which is a little bit of an old cinema, and there'll be plenty of people from Nottingham listening to this who know exactly where the cinema is. It's in, it's in uh, a part of Nottingham where the students sort of live. And this cinema is quite old fashioned, it's never really been updated. Mm. When Harry screams that thing at Hermione and Ron, mm. the lights came on in the cinema. And everything, oh. and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and they had an interval. Oh. <laughs> so the first time I ever saw Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, at this moment, I was having an ice cream. Oh, <laughs> just nice. And I'd completely forgotten about that until yesterday when I watched that film again and just remembered <laughs> that that happened. We cut back to Lupin trying to help Harry protect himself yeah. against the Dementors. Yeah. And the way he does that is... He asks a traumatised teenager to think of a positive memory and then immediately re-traumatises him by <laughs> releasing what looks like a Dementor on him again. Yeah, it's not a Dementor, it's the Bogart again, isn't it's it? It's the, the Bogart fate, again, the fate yeah. thing, The thing that makes your fears come to life. And then I wrote, teachers are not very good at teaching, but very good with chocolate. <laughs> following this trauma, he did offers you, Harry some more chocolate. Did you notice something about that set they're in? No. Oh, that's interesting. See, okay. the set that Thrillis and Radcliffe are in in that scene is yeah. the Dumbledore office set that I told you about that's really expensive. Do you remember? Ah, so they and we went to that. it. Yeah. yeah. They stripped it down and turned it into an, like an astronomy room. Oh, okay. That's why there's like planets floating around and mysteriously a model train, <laughs> <laughs> which I noticed as well. But um, that is, yeah, it's the Dumbledore's office set because that doesn't feature in the, in the book or the film, The Office. So right. they just thought, Better use this. Yeah. <laughs> we paid a lot for it last yeah. time, lads. So Lupin has a, <clears throat> a Yoda moment at this point. Lupin yeah. uh, is is like, do or do not. There is yeah. no try. And Harry becomes a Jedi Ghostbuster. Yeah. The Patronus. Patronus. Yeah. Very well yeah. remembered. The Patronus is basically a magical brolly. Yeah. That prevents ghosts from attacking you. <sighs> Kinda. In the, it's supposed to fight off these evil spirits, so it is like an illumination. Your Patronus is also supposed to protect you as a wizard, and it can use you can use your Patronus to send messages to other people. It, it's ex, it's explained a lot more in the book. Um, in the film, it looks like he's playing <coughs> Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so the ghosts don't <clears throat> like light. The Patronus is a magic protection spell, and you we will see more about it. We'll probably talk yeah. a lot more about it, but. It's supposed to transform into the form of an animal, like a protection animal, like a spirit animal almost. There is a moment in this film where it, Harry's Patronus does appear as an animal. Do you okay. remember? Yes. At the end of the movie, it appears as a stag. Um, I, I, I described it as an outdoor Christmas light. But it, yeah. Yeah. It looks like a reindeer that's on someone's driveway. Oh my God, I just thought of that. Oh, you've just ruined that film. You, uh, I said you would ruin that film, and you just did. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, uh, it does. It looks. Yeah, it looks like a reindeer on someone's driveway. You see, in Christmas. I'm. I'm so sorry, folks. <laughs> if you like Harry Potter, you you absolutely should. And we we then move on to a, another cool moment that makes me love the film. Uh, you realise that Hagrid. It's actually a pretty snappy dresser. He's got an orange tie on. He's yeah, got a fur jacket. We, Hagrid is in a bit of dis dismay because his book beak his hippogriff is going to get executed for hitting Draco Malfoy a bit of a sad moment yeah, and everyone's a, a little bit oh, it's a sad moment but when you, when you think about it logically 
the violent giant chicken attacked somebody. <laughs> I I think that in most schools, if they if the school pet attacked somebody, that school pet wouldn't be around for much longer. No, I think you're right. And an- animals don't have a good rap in these films. If every animal, animal does anything remotely interesting or different, it gets executed. Yeah, they they don't like they don't like puppy. We never got to find out what happened to Fluffy either, James. What happened to him? That's true. I mean, Fluffy failed in his duty. He let all those little wizards through. Yeah. So, really, yeah. never heard about that dog again. No. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm... Do we see Fang in this film? I've just realised. Hagrid's dog is not in this film. Oh, yeah. Are you sure? I don't think we see... Because Hagrid's so focused on Buckbeak, we never actually see the dog. He's got that other creature that lives in... What I'm now going to call not Hagrid's house, even though it is Hagrid's house. Yeah, but it's yeah, not. I remember he has. Yeah, there's some really weird things in that hut. But yeah, you're right. I yeah. didn't see Fang. I don't think we see we'll Fang. have to look for Fang in the yeah. next movie. Hopefully, he pops up again. So I like Fang. I think we, we go back <coughs> to the teacher that does uh, divinity and divining stuff. Yeah, um, and uh, she really upsets Hermione. Yeah, she does. Uh, she 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 questions Hermione's uh, desire to understand her form of magic <laughs> and then Trulani gives that prophecy that the one who will return tonight will seek out his evil master innocent blood will be spilled and servant and master will be reunited it is a prophecy so yeah we learn a bit more about Trelawney later as well but she does even though she looks like an idiot she can actually do prophecies and the prophecy that she comes up with in this movie does come true it doesn't necessarily come true in this movie. That's all okay. I'm going to say about that. Does that make sense? I'm I'm... So we're going to refer back to that, but it, that is her prophecy that basically is the through line for the next few films. It kind right. of works. We get the uh, also the Marauder's Map when Harry goes looking for... Um, he sees Peter Pettigrew on the map yes. and goes looking for him at night time. Again, out of bed at night. Yeah. This doesn't seem to be much of an issue anymore. No. It seems to be the common thing. At, at this point... I mean, Snape's the only one that's really that focused on keeping to the rules. Yeah. Also, why is Harry not wearing the invisibility cloak when he's looking for Pettigrew? Makes no sense. Does the invisibility cloak Mm. stop his torch wand from working? Is that why? Uh, Anyone that's listening? Does Does Harry's wand work under the invisibility cloak? We don't know. Wait a minute. I've just realised I'm doing that thing. I'm defending the indefensible by going magic did it. So, yeah. And then... uh, Harry gets caught doing the Marauder's Map thing. He tries to find Pettigrew, we can't see him. Yeah. Pettigrew is there, but he's not there, but he is there, James. And then um, he gets a bollocking from Professor Lupin, which brilliantly, I think, well-deserved bollocking. Yeah. He doesn't get a bollocking in any of these movies until this, this point. No. And I think he's, you know, he's out of bed. There's a murderer on the loose. We already know the murderer can get into the castle because he already yeah. has done it once. And he's got a map that gives people their locations. And Lupin makes a good point saying, do you think Sirius Black... We'll just use this to muck about, and you're like, "Yeah, bloody good point, Lupin. You yeah. you tell him." Uh, and then, and then <clears throat> Harry cuts the wind out of him by saying that he's seen, yeah, Peter who he and, thinks he's dead, yeah, and that's so, a bit more of like the plot being dribbled out to us. Um, yeah, and then they all go to not Hagrid's house. Yep. Yeah. Because uh, they want to go and watch Buckbeak get executed. I'm not sure what they're, what they're hoping to do. Um, Hermione ends up punching Draco. Draco and his gang run away. Dumbledore is also coming into this scene with Fudge and the executioner, isn't he? Yeah. Dumbledore's somehow fully aware of time travel. Yeah. You notice this, because Dumbledore, on the way down to the hut, distracts everybody. Yes. 
even though this hasn't happened yet. Yeah. This really... I mean, it's like a Rick and Morty moment, isn't it? Where they go, don't think about it, Morty. It doesn't yeah. make any sense, but don't worry about it. The, the, this bit doesn't doesn't make Time travel makes sense. no sense, but don't worry about it. And it's like that whole thing where we laugh about it, but it is that age-old thing where they, in any time travel movie, oh, there's that pointless moment where they go, oh, you'll look the same, or you'll not age, and things will be different, but you'll look the same. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the logistics. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Don't <laughs> ask questions. It's really annoying. It's always the same with time travel, I find. Yeah, and I've written down here that Bookbeak has been let down by all magical beings. Yeah, he has. Because Bookbeak could blatantly fly off. Yep, but he's chained up. He's chained up. It's at this point where the the, the rat, Scabbers, yeah. is, is discovered again. Yeah, so Scabbers is found. Again, Ron didn't give a shit about that rat. Yeah. Didn't even pack the rat. <laughs> didn't Did, take him with him. Didn't take forgot. him with him. Julie Walters had to intervene. He's now, been blaming the cat for eating the rat, for eating the rat, for, for all this time, yeah. and, and refuses to apologise to the cat or Hermione. Or Hermione yeah. Um, they then get out of this building before uh, Dumbledore comes in. Mm. The rat then bites Ron and runs off. And I would, I would, yeah. Initially, I didn't think anything strange was going on because Ron was forcing that rat to watch another magical creature get beheaded. Because mm. the rat had no choice. They were they were all stood in a line, but Ron was holding the rat, so the rat was facing... <laughs> showing the rat, this show- is what's going to happen to you if you don't behave. And then Ron's suddenly surprised... When the when, rat bites him. When the rat bites him and runs off. I put in this as well, like, it, you get bitten by the rat and runs off. We are about one hour 25 into this movie. We've got an hour left, and this is where the climax pretty much starts yeah and it, I thought it was a little bit different to the other films like I liked it and I really do like this film generally all the way through but it's odd to think that the climax of this movie basically starts when the dog attacks rat uh, yeah. rat <laughs> the dog attacks rat if I only mean, the Ron. dog attacks the rat <laughs> dog attacks the rat Ron I, I, I put dog steals only decent kid actor yep <laughs> Ron pulls that face again yeah and then Harry and Hermione have to fight the tree go down to find Ron and then and this is where it all kind of kicks off as it surprise, were surprise surprise the teacher they trusted instantly without asking any questions seemingly <laughs> betrays them because <laughs> let's be honest James why have we got any reason to doubt the integrity of a defence against the dark arts teacher <laughs> at this point I think I would have written all of the defence against the dark yeah. arts teachers off as a bad a bad job they're they're not great, are they? They're not great. Uh, so he, he starts hugging Sirius and everyone's a bit confused. Yeah, Rickman uh, appears, Gary Oldman appears. We get to see Gary Oldman. Oh, I love Gary Oldman. I'm so glad he was in this movie. And a Gary Oldman, I think, was kind of forced into this movie by his children, if I remember reading right. Uh, and he's brilliant. He, I'm yeah. now feeling really guilty that I've written Strange Dogman Offers New Life to Harry. I feel like the Littles <laughs> Oldman's <laughs> contribution to this film. <laughs> uh, then we get Rickman, Thewlis and, and Gary Oldman all in the same room. I love this scene. I think it's brilliant. Then we get Timothy yeah. Spall, another appearance in the film right at the end. Yeah. Again, brilliant casting. Um, and it's kind of all about, yeah, we find out about the history, the childhood. Basically, if you didn't get it, all of these boys went to school with each other. So Snape, um, Sirius, Remus, um, Pettigrew, and Harry's dad, James. I I got that. Did you get that? Was this the same time period as Tom Riddle? 
No, Tom Riddle was before them. Tom Riddle, so... He's older than them. So Voldemort <coughs> is older than Harry's mum and dad. Yes, a lot older. Makes sense, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, they were like, they were probably like 20, 30 years back or whatever. Right, whereas okay. Voldemort was 50, 60 years back. A more pertinent yeah. question. Where did Peter's clothes come from? And then <laughs> go well, away again. Why, why do they not disappear with with him when he becomes a rat? He shrinks into a rat form, and his clothes stay there. Yeah. So presumably, if Timothy Spall comes back from rat form, he's gonna have his knob and bollocks out. <laughs> yeah. I, he he is gonna be in his birthday yeah. suit. I love this whole scene. They've written so much. I've put here. And anyone who wants to go back and watch this, please do. The rat puppet in this scene gets gradually more shit. (laughs) (laughs) It starts out like a real rat. And then it's an animatronic rat. And I'm pretty sure by the end of this scene, before Timothy's foul comes out, it's just a shoe with some ears stuck on the top of it. It looks rubbish. (laughs) <laughs> it's oh. so bad and I was laughing so much when I was watching it because I thought James will love this and we're going to have to go back and look at it later because yeah. the rat that fuck me I'll, I'll it's have to check that so out. bad the rat puppet that Ron's holding is so bad um, Timothy I, Spall comes out we find out about the conspiracy he's framed Sirius Black for killing the parents and yeah. then he disappears into a rat and goes off and, yeah. and that's it and then you find out that Wormtail Pettigrew is the one that we're after the whole time we try to get him arrested Pettigrew gets away because of Lupin's poor timing yeah I mean he he didn't uh, there's a point where um, (coughs) Sirius asks him did you take your medication today Mm. so there is medication that Mm. he could have been taking to prevent this but he decided not to so in the book um, the person that hates Lupin the most is Snape Okay. Snape hates Lupin for many reasons, including the fact that Lupin gets the job he wants. Snape's always wanted to be a defense against a dark arts teacher, can't get it. Yeah. And they keep bringing in another person every year, which again, I'll explain at Tom some Rickman. point. They do do this, and then, yeah, and, if, and in the book, I believe in the book, you find out that what happens is when Lupin's going to feel werewolfy, yeah. he drinks a wolfsbane potion brewed by Snape and goes to his office, locks himself in his office. You know, his little office that we see at the end. Yeah. He locks himself in there. And he sleeps as a, as a dog, and he doesn't come out, and that's how they get round the werewolf thing. Right, but he's not—he's conscious, and he yeah. can just stay in werewolf form. So, but that's not covered in the film. No, and he's obviously way. not had this wolfsbane potion because he's run off down the tunnel he, after the kids. So then he becomes there. a werewolf, and then it so, all kicks off. So speeding yeah. forward a little bit, obviously mm. we uh, we have the outdoor Christmas decoration saves the day moment. Where yeah. the Dementors are scared away by a reindeer. Yeah, that Dementor scene on the lake, did you not think it was absolutely fantastic? And I've watched mm. this film a couple of times, watched it when I was obviously a, a child. It's it's quite old. It's like 16 years old, this movie, I think, this year. Yeah. I think that's really good. It holds up really the well. The score's good. The visual effects are great. The drama when the Dementors are sucking the life out of, of Sirius and Harry, and it's like... It's, I thought it was fantastic. It's probably the best dramatic moment in any of the films so far. Harry faints at the end of the scene. It goes to black and then he wakes up again. Mm. So Harry fainting seems to be the bookend of a lot of scenes. Yeah, and the bits that don't make sense in this as well, which you'll you'll I'll, we'll talk more about throughout the franchise, is Harry's dad can transform into an animal as well as his friends. Do you know what animal Harry's dad transforms into? No. Yeah. 
that's not made clear in the movie and that's quite a bad miss yeah Harry's father transforms into a stag right um there's also a link to Harry's father's past yeah. which is in the film but not addressed the Marauders map that Harry's using throughout the film yeah has the names of four founders on it yeah. called Mooney Wormtail Padfoot and Prongs Mooney is Lupin oh because he's a werewolf Padfoot is Sirius Black because he's a dog yeah Wormtail is the rat Pettigrew yeah and Prongs is James Potter that. Prongs is a because he transforms into a stag right and that. that's why he's a stag that lights up and becomes a a big Patronus that scares the Dementors off and that's why Harry Potter thinks he's seen his dad that's my dad yeah not, not that there was a Christmas decoration across the lake. It <laughs> yeah, must have been dad. yeah. It, uh, right. That makes and it also makes sense why Lupin recognised the map. Yeah, because when he takes it off Harry initially, because uh, Snape just thinks it's a piece of paper that's making fun of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, whereas Lupin recognises what it is and steals it back because he invented it. Does that not make? It, yeah. it's so much better when you know those facts, isn't it? Because yeah. I think it's the best book, and I still think it's the best film. I still think it holds up well as the best film, and again, we'll probably go through the other ones with different with a different opinion. Yeah. But I I think it does a great job to be just a film. But for the fans of the books, like myself and many listening, um, yeah, you get so much more out of the book in terms of the links between yeah. bits, best set that, pieces and characters. That yeah. makes sense now. Yeah. Um, we wake up in the hospital again. We do. Yeah. We wake up in the hospital <laughs> again, uh, and uh, Dumbledore is giving. <sighs> the children an education in how adults see children because the children know all the truths yes and Dumbledore says that there's no value in kids yeah <laughs> kids, kids aren't going to listen you don't yeah. know shit yeah you're not, <laughs> so uh, he then tasks them with saving the day yeah in, in a very subtle way um, and it's at this point where I wrote they rewound the whole film they did yeah we've got to do a lot of this film over again how much time is left and because I'm watching this now in the digital age I yeah, can just yeah, see yeah. the little progress bar and it's telling me <laughs> I've not got a lot of time to do this whole film over no. again so we they they use the time turn and we find out Harry, Hermione has a time turn that was given to her by Professor McGonagall cat lady and it's so she can get to her classes that overlap each other now I've just put this is the most bullshit reason in history to invent time travel yeah I, what, if I would want to if I build a machine, James, yeah. that anything I put in it doesn't age, and you go, Jake, what are you going to use that machine for? And I go, well, James, I'm going to put all of my yogurts in it so that I never have to worry about them going past their sell-by date. Jake, if you could do that, I, I don't think we need to do a podcast anymore. Um, I, I also take issue with this because I... Uh, put the Professor Cat Lady laid it on thick in the first film about mm-hmm. Ron and Harry being late to class. Yeah. She really had a go. Yeah, and it she could have given them a time turner. It turns out Hermione's been doing school on God mode. Yeah, she's been literally <laughs> defying the laws of nature, something that we're told in Doctor Strange should never be done. Yeah. And it, she can just do it. She's a 13-year-old girl. No bother. No. No bother at all. I just thought talking about my machine I'm going to invent yeah someone says to me do you want to just you know maybe put yourself in it you'll be immortal nah no yogurts yogurts are where it's at I just wish and again people that have listened to this will really get annoyed with my my pessimism toward it that Harry would have just turned to Hermione and gone 
How far back does this go? <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about my mum and dad. I yeah. There, there have all been the some bad things, things that, that have happened. We oh, could we could fix those. And um, I did like that. Whilst they're going back in time, there's a a constant ticking, but yeah. only when the camera is near them. I noticed the wide that as shots, well. The ticking goes away. Yeah. The wide shots, yeah, you get yeah, rid yeah. of the ticking. Uh, but the close-up shots, there's ticking. Yeah. So I'm assuming the time turner, uh, Hermione's cheek. It's coat. on her. It's on her neck. Yeah. The, the attention to detail in those scenes is remarkably good. I, I and also, then they bring it all together with the rocks being thrown. Yeah. Um, her they, howling at the werewolf. They they release Buckbeak, which is what they should have done originally. Yeah. And um, I did like the fact that the executioner had bothered to sharpen his axe. So he's just going to attack a pumpkin. He just hits a random pumpkin. Yeah. But then that makes the audience go, did he ever chop the head off? Or yeah. in the past, did he just chop the pumpkin? Because we know that they've already done it yeah. in the future because Harry gets hit in the head and she breaks the vase, which gets them out of Hagrid's hook, which means they've already done it in the... This is where the time travel thing can break your brain a little bit. Yeah, yeah they've already done it in the future, so it's affected the past already. Hermione's cool with time travel. Yeah. But when they're writing Buckbeak has a real difficult time believing that Harry's dad might be somehow helping them. Yeah. Harry, Harry believes in his it. dad. Yeah. Right up until the last point when he yeah. realises he's just got to get on with it and makes his magical brolly. Yeah. It's really sad, that moment, but it's really cool. And it, like you can look at it. I think, for me anyway, as an older member of the audience now, being an yeah. adult, I look at it and go, yeah, they've done that really well, where he's waiting, 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 and he realises it was never going to happen, and it is just him in the future doing it. They do it really well. I think the, the whole audience would buy into that moment as a special moment, but Hermione again struggles with time travel, despite yeah. the fact that she's yeah. been doing it a lot. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. doesn't quite get that it was Harry all along. No, she doesn't buy that at all. She couldn't have just tapped him on the shoulder, and probably you. And then we save Sirius Black, and we have the really beautiful moment between Gary Oldman and and Daniel Radcliffe, which I, yeah. I think we see a hint of it later. He in. says he's going to be forever <clears throat> grateful. Yeah. But at the same time, he's now currently a fugitive. And so, so is the bird. And so yeah. is the bird. Um, it, and I also wrote, are those prison tattoos? Or has Sirius always had tattoos? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think they're prison tattoos, because I'm sure other members in Azkaban that we fussy later do have them as yeah. well. And, and but if he's innocent, why would he get prison <laughs> tattoos? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm just... I'm, I'm <laughs> Yeah, James has broken the film again. I love that you just figured that out. <laughs> so he, had, he has yeah. all his tattoos, and then yeah. he repeats a line that we've heard quite a lot, and um, that Hermione is the brightest witch of her age. Yeah. I repeat, she doesn't get time travel. No, but she's still the <laughs> smartest person in the whole franchise. We leave Ron and his stupid face in the yeah. hospital wing. He does the stupid face again at the end. I, I did this again, James, and I actually went through the film in great detail because I yeah. was making notes. Ron doesn't do an ounce of magic in this entire film. That the, there is none, except honestly, zero. One little bit. What? I think I missed out this note, but mm. I did write really early on. There's a bit at the, near the beginning where they're in the dorm room and they're making animal noises. He's eating a sweet, James. But it's a magical sweet. Doesn't count. Okay. Not having that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> Maybe next week. Maybe next week. Juice up Weasley. We'll see some Ron, Ron magic. Uh, I wrote, uh, tree makes birds explode, because the one it Willow has its way. And then rich kid Harry gets another gift. 
He does, James. He gets a firebolt broomstick to replace his new broomstick. I think it's bought by Sirius, who inexplicably can afford the best broom in the world despite having no, no money. money. <laughs> and he leaves the... Uh, Maybe uh, he uh, just uh, nicked it. He probably nicked it. I yeah. mean, he's got a flying griffin thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he can do what he wants. He, he steals a feather from the griffin. And puts it with the broom. So, so Harry ties that around the broom. Now... Obviously, things have changed. It's been a, a few films now, mm. but originally, yeah, it was the Nimbus Two Thousand that was the fastest. Right, it's, out, it's out of date, that brother. Out of date. That's gone. We've got. So what's this one called? <laughs> the Firebolt. The Firebolt Broom. Broom. No number. No. Just the just Firebolt. Just called the Firebolt. It has a charred, blackened end to it, where it looks like it's been burnt by fire. It's pretty cool. Oh. The prop. I mean, you yeah. probably saw the prop, so you probably I, know yeah, more than me. I, I yeah. Um, I, I don't remember seeing that one, but there were definitely brooms at the at the tour, um, and we we end on after all this mm. great, fantastic camera direction movement. Yeah. We end with a freeze frame of, of Harry looking face. ridiculous. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Uh, I believe, James, <laughs> that the idea was... Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that a lot. So, uh. Alfonso, you did a great job. You did a really good job. But, and I, I, I've never made a film, so I shouldn't criticise. We've, we've never made a blockbuster that's made millions of dollars, have we, James? No, but to me, that freeze frame mm. at the end is the narrative equivalent of he woke up and it was just a dream. <laughs> now, I'm trying to think of all the places I've seen that before and I think yeah. the only times I can recollect seeing it is at the end of programmes like Cheers or Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, where, they all where it's like a really silly skit at the end yeah. and it's like... Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, I and, agree. And then, but you don't get that. You no. get the John Williams score coming in and it just seems God. to cheapen the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put it out there as well for next time we do this. We'll be, filming, we'll be doing another one of these next week when we do the next one. John Williams is not in the next one or the next few because John Williams, I think, is probably now too expensive for the filmmakers <laughs> because the budget for special effects, James, has to go way up for the next oh, ones. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I think, and again, um, I will find out for next time, I think Williams is... Um, reinstated for the last instalment for the very last movie he does the score at least his scores are brought back into yeah. the movie in a, in, a, in a way to sort of go in a homage to the original so yeah that happens a lot to John Williams we, we yeah. may cover these uh, in a future franchise series but they do that in the Superman films. They do, yeah. They 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 reuse the John Williams but score, then but then none really... of his other score. No. Yeah, I yeah. agree. It's very odd when they do that. Um, are you ready then, James? I think I'm happy with that review. I yeah. think it's ready for. I think it's time for me on to our next expa- uh, extract, yeah. which I'm going to call Five Facts for James. Perfect. So my five facts for James. Elf. Hang on, I've got to do this again. Alfonso Cuaron. Asked the kids um, to write the three main characters, uh, the three main actors, to write an essay for him describing their characters as much as they can because he'd never read any of the books and had no idea. So he'd been direct- he was directing this movie, had no idea about the films, about the books. So um, Emma Watson, in true Hermione fashion, wrote a 16 page essay about her character. Brilliant. Harry managed a page and Ron didn't write anything. <laughs> <laughs> Rupert didn't write anything, sorry. Which Brilliant. I thought was really good. And that just sums the 
characters up perfectly. It does, and it, it's yeah. also really sad that the, the the actors actually do more homework in these films than the, the director. Well, no, than, than the characters that are supposed yeah. to be school children. Uh, the second one I've got is Ian McKellen was um, asked to replace Richard Harris as Albus Dumbledore, okay, but refused. Uh, conflict in terms of he was just in the the franchise, the, the Rings franchise, yeah. And also, apparently, Richard Harris had called him a twat or something prior to this. <laughs> and he didn't think it would be appropriate to play Aww. Dumbledore. So they got Gambon in. Big Gambon he, he'd instead. Been, he'd been sort of just over-wizarded Yeah, maybe. I think that's probably true. Uh, third fact. Emma Watson accidentally punched Tom Felton in the face by accident during the scene where she's supposed to hit him. Brilliant. Yeah. Aww. Punched him in the nose, hurt his nose. Aww. Yeah, genuinely happened. Oh, and uh, she was gutted. Uh, the fourth fact, the visual effects team... Oh God, I can't even read this one. The visual effects team thought that... Alfonso Cuaron. Said, I want all the ice to come over the window. Loads of ice when the Dementor came into the train. Yeah. The visual effects team, not understanding Alfonso's Mexican accent, Spanish accent, thought that he'd said eyes so storyboarded a load of eyes coming into the train and they had to be scrapped and redone oh why didn't they leave that in the film could have been funny loads of eyes um then number five Hagrid Hut they had real bats flying around Hagrid Hut Radcliffe said that they urinated on everybody but were given treats to get them back into their trainers they really liked bananas oh (laughs) See, not only do you learn about Harry Potter in this podcast, you also learn how to treat bats nice. Yeah, give bats bananas, they love them. Uh, don't give bats bananas, we've not researched this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, I gave bananas to my bats, they're now all dead. Um, it's the shit merchandise of the week competition. Now, each movie we're going to follow from now... We're going to try and find you a piece of really shit merchandise that was released for that movie or that franchise. Um, James, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, I I found a, a pin badge, and um, I think it's supposed to be Hedwig. We will we will tweet a picture of the pin badge. I yes, found. we will. It it can be had for a glorious five ninety nine. Brilliant uh, bargain. Not, not sponsored. Um, it looks like they've found a toadstool and stuck eyes on it (laughs) (laughs) it's just so shit to anyone that's watching that's listening to this James has just shown me what looks like the picture of a mushroom with some eyes drawn on it and a dot for a nose and for eyes they've gone with black holes that look like they've given up on life Um, but you can wear this proudly are you ready for my shit merchandise of the week James I trolled the depths of the dark internet for this fact this was a, f- a product released by the toy company Mattel. Okay. Big company. Yeah, they're quite good at releasing toys. <sighs> it's a vibrating Nimbus 2000 broom for children. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> you can sit on it and it'll vibrate and simulate going on a broom. What? Flying on a broom. What? <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've made a, a, a flight simulator... For wizard fans. It's a dildo, James. They've made a dildo. <laughs> there's, there's no two ways about that. It's not appropriate. It's not good. I think it got discontinued very shortly after Mattel. <laughs> James is currently crying, just so you can see. Anyone listening to this, James has currently took his glasses off. This is how bad this is. I am... Um... 
I don't know what to say. That's... No, I don't. I think the less said about that, the better. Yeah. Yeah. That. That. Wow. Do you like you, that? You. You definitely. Definitely. Win. Found Did I win the fact? You, you. You win the fact. <laughs> don't win the merchandise. My, my, my sad toadstool owl doesn't compete with <sighs> children's dildo broom. <laughs> I didn't want to end on a high. I didn't want to end like that. So I'm going to say. Um, yeah, I'm really sorry. We don't want to end like that, but we will. We will be reading out some comments. I have had a couple of comments to read, um, mainly from Twitter and from our uh, podcast reviews. Uh, one was from a user Wazir, uh, who says, "Fun first episode. Can't wait for more. You spotted a lot of things that the fans have missed for years. That's nice. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, I got another message saying." Um, love the podcast please keep it up uh, can't find the name for that one so I apologise but I will give you a shout out next well, I'm week I'm going to believe us <laughs> a true comment got a message from my sister-in-law who's a scientist who works at a univer- a very creditable university um, am I getting fact checked by universities now because I'm she, getting worried she was annoyed with our um, our fact about Dolly the sheep when we said that cloning a sheep's probably bullshit and they probably just found a sheep that looked just like the other one apparently they did a lot of research to DNA and you're discrediting the great work of the scientists of the, the cloning miracle so I apologise to all those scientists I do um, and then we did get some cool tweets um, and we'll have a look at those in a second uh, mostly from Brendan who seems to be our biggest fan at the moment hi Bren we love you thanks for uh, thanks for keeping us afloat as it were um, Brendan Brendan has just put a few things, um, tweeted as a few messages about the podcast, uh, and I can't find them. So I will get through to them next week. <laughs> we, we definitely read them, Bren. We're just not going to read them out now. We're not going to read them out now, but we will have them for next week when we read them. <laughs> this is a terrible way to end the podcast. So I will say next week, James, we'll be doing which film? It's Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. Oh, mm. that's good. Um, little secret. Yep. This film that we've just reviewed yep. was the one film that my sister didn't have in her DVD collection. So this is my first purchase of a Harry Potter film. Oh, so this week, exciting. But she has got the DVD of Goblet of Fire. So um, I'll be all right with that one. I so hang on, you had to purchase Prison of Azkaban? Yeah. So currently you're out of pocket. How much? <laughs> well... <laughs> I went with the HD version. I don't know why. <laughs> I now own a Harry Potter film. That so is I'm, I'm a true, true fan. True Potter fan. Of, of, of this film, because I paid money for it and I have purchases bias uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah please everybody um, we will be reading tweets out next week I promise you we will read them out in the next episode uh, so please send us some information some fun facts and some fun tweets any comments that you send us via the uh, iTunes store or our podcast we will read out we'll endeavour we'll to go through them, them as well out. Yeah, even we'll yours that. Brendan yeah even yours Brendan we'll do them next week um, yeah, we've got a lot to get through, and we hope that you like this episode. Yeah. We hope we didn't derail it too badly. <laughs> and I sincerely hope that I've not ruined this film or any other film for anybody. Yeah. Well, thanks, James. We'll uh, see you all next week for Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. I'm Goblet of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> bye then. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.